Welcome to another episode of the SaaS Podcast. I'm your host, Omar Khan, and this is the show where I interview proven founders and industry experts who share their stories, strategies, and insights to help you build, launch, and grow your SaaS business. In this episode, I talk to Oleg Campbell, the founder and CEO of Reply.io, a SaaS platform that puts your email outreach on autopilot while keeping it personal. Oleg is a developer who grew his previous startup from zero to $150,000 a year, but sales flatlined after that and he couldn't figure out how to keep growing. He believed that his lack of sales experience was a major factor. So he took a part-time sales job where he basically worked for nothing. It was totally commission-based. And in the six months that he worked there, he didn't make a single sale but he learned a lot about sales. And that experience also helped him come up with the idea for Reply. So he moved back to Ukraine, where he was able to cut his living expenses. And that allowed him to hire a developer who could work with him on Reply. And this is when his newfound sales experience really helped him. Not only was he able to close more sales, but he also understood his target customers, who were mainly salespeople, much better. And in four years, he's gone from zero to $180,000 in monthly recurring revenue. We talk about how he acquired his first customers, what he did to grow the business, and we discuss how he's grown a business doing over $2 million a year. It's a great story with some great lessons, and I hope you enjoy it. Before we get started, if you haven't already grabbed a copy of my free SaaS toolkit, you can do so by going to thesaspodcast.com. It will teach you about the 21 essential tools that every SaaS business needs. Also, if you need help building, launching, and growing your SaaS business, then check out SaaS Club Plus. It's our premium membership and community designed to help you get the insights, motivation, and support you need to succeed. Just head over to sasclub.co to learn more and join the waitlist. All right, let's get on with the interview. Oleg, welcome to the show. Hi, Omar. Thanks for having me. So I'm going to start with my usual icebreaker. What gets you out of bed every day? Is there a favorite quote uh, you want to share with us? Or or maybe just in your own words, like, you know, what drives you every day? Yeah, what drives me is building great products. I want to build great products and maybe more of them. And um, the favorite quote, just the truth is simple. The truth is in simplicity. Say that again. The truth is simple. The truth is in simplicity. Nice. I like that. Why do you like that quote? I think when you master your craft, you understand that things are simpler than it is. So basically, uh, usually when you're learning or just and not expert in some area, you would do a lot of things to basically achieve the same result you could do with... uh, little and this understanding only comes with experience and at the end you understand that everything is simple (laughs) (laughs) yeah all right so let's talk about reply can you tell us in your own words what does the product do like what is what's the problem you're trying to solve and and who are your target customers reply is a sales acceleration platform so basically what reply do is help sales people automate the day-to-day routine task. 
the main thing we, the product do right now, is automate sales outreach. So basically, Reply allows to get in touch with your potential customers or even uh, your inbound leads in semi-automated way. A semi-automated way means that Reply could send emails on your behalf as well follow-ups if there is no reply until the reply gets received. And all the emails sent, they look like as they have been sent manually. So we directly collect, connect to your email account. And um, for the end user, it looks like sales rep message him and doing all the follow-ups. Cool. And who are your target customers? Who's kind of like the ideal user for reply? I know you talked about salespeople, but it's it kind of seems broader than that. It is salespeople. But funny thing, when we went into this space, we actually find out that before there was no system for automating personal emails. There was a lot of marketing automation systems that can automate marketing emails. So basically newsletter emails. But we released reply for sales, but uh, soon after we find that many other like uh, target audiences use our product. So we've seen uh, people using it for account management. So basically talking to existing customers on a personal level at scale. Recruiters use uh, Reply to outreach potential candidates. And then business development people using to reach out to partners. I've been using it for to reach out and get meetings, books with investors. As well, another one like huge use case, it's journalist outreach. So different startups uh, reaching out to journalists through Deploy. Got it. So you launched the company in, I believe it was in 2014, right? That's correct. And um, 2014, we started development. And 2015, we launched the product. And where did the idea come from? Like, How did you come up with this idea? The idea came from me being curious to understand what sales is about. I had previous startup and where I was uh, working as a developer. And as well, I did all the marketing for the startup. Uh, but one thing I didn't understand or we didn't understand in a startup, that's how we should do sales. We even had budget to hire salespeople, but we don't know what to do. So basically, I understood that's not only myself, but probably a lot of people, a lot of developers, entrepreneurs have no idea what sales is about. And um, I wanted to figure out. So I started working as a sales rep for one company that was a pure commission-based. And I would even say it was kind of part-time job, but I was working there for six months. I um, learned everything about sales. I read all this latest materials materials on sales. I did a lot of conversa- like sales conversations. Actually, didn't sell anything, but I did learn, did learn a lot. And I learned and I was able to find a thing that I was missing in my process. And uh, I wasn't able to find any like good solution for my needs and decided to build the tool that I would use. So you were a developer doing marketing. Yeah. I, yeah. What a combination. Yeah. <laughs> Why did you decide to go and get this, basically go, almost go and work for free? You were working for free for six months because you didn't sell anything and you were commission-based. Why did you decide to do that? Like, what was the problem? Like, with this previous startup, was it just because, look, there's a big sales problem here? Did that startup fail? And you felt like, okay, before I go and do something else, I need to kind of understand sales. Like, what was the driver to 
go and spend those six months learning sales? On that first startup, we reached at some point, I think it was 150K in annual revenue. And it was just three of us. So that's a decent money to leave. Actually, even there was two founders and one employee. And I would say the startup was doing okay. I could have good lifestyle. I don't need to work. And I may satisfy on that. But I didn't want to satisfy. And um, for a year, I was trying to break the 150K uh, kind of mark and was not able to do it. So I decided that that's the time probably to put this project on autopilot and go and build one that will allow me to get to this milestone and 1 million annual revenue. So basically, since I had money flowing from this startup that was on autopilot, I decided uh, I didn't really need any salary. And uh, I thought it will be just easy way for me to find a startup and just suggest commission-based work for them. And um, as well for them, there was a no-brainer to start working with me since um, that will cost nothing and I could bring some sales to them. So when you took this sales job, you didn't take it to go and find an idea for a startup. You did it because you wanted to learn sales. So once you figured out what that next idea was, you were going to do a better job at breaking the $150,000 a year yeah, that's right. So I think first thing I wanted to understand what a sales is about. And as well, I was thinking, thinking to build a product in sales uh, niche. So I had this idea to, again, if I find idea to build uh, some product there, instead of just building sales product right away, I thought I want to learn sales and understand it first. And the best way is not by books, but by starting doing stuff. Okay, so you kind of found this this gap from your own experience of being in sales, and that's how you kind of came up with the idea for Reply. What did you do? So once you decided to build the product, what was kind of like the vision for the the product in, in, in those early days? The first thing what I did, I was at that time at San Francisco. Uh, so I flew back to Ukraine and where living cost is much, much cheaper. And I cut my salary and was able to hire one senior developer for uh, out of my salary. So that's how we get started. Myself and one senior developer, myself doing business development, um, just building websites, kind of doing all this marketing and customer development stuff and developer obviously building product as well. I was doing UI, UX, all the kind of design part. That's how it gets started. How long did you guys work on that product before you shipped the first version? I wanted to build the first version, first better version, and get uh, first money as soon as possible. So for me, it was kind of, as I would say, race or game. I didn't want to spend years and then get first money. So it took us four months to build beta version and get first customer. And then it took us another six months to release like release version. And uh, yeah, after that, we launched on the product hunt and things start picking up in terms of getting and getting more customers. Before you did, you kind of moved back to Ukraine and, and kind of cut your salary to hire this developer, did you do any kind of validation? Did you go out and talk to potential customers to figure out if this was a good idea or not? Not really. So one, I, I thought... <laughs> 
I understand this is a great idea. And uh, I hired a developer. He started building. And at the same time, I started doing customer development. And then while I was doing customer development, if I would find out that this idea is nonsense, and I would pivot. So basically, I wouldn't ask, do you need this? And if they say no, I would say, ah, sorry. If I ask, do you need this? They would reply, no. I'll say, but what do you need? So I'll learn, I would learn what they need and then pivot my development. That sounds to me like the idea that you had initially that you wanted to build versus what you ended up building based on those customer development interviews was was different. How did the, the product change over that time? No, I think it was uh, quite the same, but initially I wanted to do like really a lot of different, different stuff. I wanted to add social, I wanted to add Twitter, etc., LinkedIn. But what we find out during all this work that um, people are just need emails and good with emails. And we have a long way to go with emails. So we kind of stayed with emails uh, for a long time. Recently, not recently, we added phone calls. And only right now, we want to add different messaging channels. Then I believe that's the future. So basically, idea stayed the same. So four months you build the product, and you said that's how long it took you to get your first customer. Was that customer one of the people that you had interviewed when you were doing, going out and talking to prospective customers? Uh, no, no. So basically that customer came through Quora. Okay. And, and so I, let, I want to talk about that, but I'm just curious, of the people that you interviewed when you were doing the customer development, did any of them become customers? I don't really remember. Uh, from what I know, no. <laughs> but I found my, my co-founder like doing this customer development. So I was talking to a lot of sales rep, and one of them I really liked in terms of experience and knowledge. So I ended up even with something bigger than just a customer. So that was useful. Okay. So, so tell me about Quora and how you found the first customer. So Quora, that actually, I would recommend Quora to any startup. It's the best way to start, obviously. I did it with my first startup and with the second. Basically, you would go on Quora and uh, find them. Um, questions that people would ask where which is related to what you do and would answer that question and then since quora has a really good big audience and it's ranking high the questions from quora ranking high on google the questions get a lot of traffic and a lot of people would use the questions and obviously uh, your answer and that's how it gets started and as well we were using some small trick. So sometimes you could even ask a question by yourself from different account or anonymously and um, write a reply. And then in the two weeks, if you search by keywords in your question, you would find out you being like the query answer would be on the top of Google. So that's a good way even to get some SEO ranking app for your kind of product not directly through your website, but through core questions. You were kind of going in anonymously asking the questions and then logging in and answering the questions. Yeah, so there was just a few of them, <laughs> but that's a uh, could, could you, and uh, people right now, I would say right now Quora went a long way. And um, yeah, there was a lot of different, different tricks now. 
Were you kind of mentioning the product when you were answering those questions or or were people just kind of finding a link in your profile or something and, and coming that way? Initially, we didn't have even product to show. So basically, there was a landing page that shows how product work and a link for the demo. And basically, someone who's interested would leave the email and I would get in touch with him. I will set up a call and show the beta versions that we had. And if someone who is a, who needs a product and ready to work with an early startup, and there was a good number of those people, they would basically um, sign up. And um, the initial price was super low. And as well, for initial first customers, I, we were doing a lot of like customization. So for them, it was as well win, since they know that could get they can get a lot for cheap and we could customize, etc. You mentioned pricing there. Like, do you remember what you were charging those early customers? Right away, we set the price to be seventy dollars per user. But for these early customers, I think we were yeah we cut price to like fifty. And maybe there was a couple customers that I sell even for twenty dollars for a few seats. But um, the price, I mean, that's good to do. Probably maybe one or first months when uh, your customers actually your free QA team <laughs> since right. had a lot of bugs and we didn't have a QA team and most of bugs were reported by our customers. And I guess at that stage, you know, it's still kind of a bit of validation going on there, right? So even if someone is willing to pay you $20 per user, that's a good sign that you're headed in the right direction. Yeah, that's right. Okay, so you've built the product. You said it took another six months to kind of get the release version. You're getting some leads coming through Quora. Now, content marketing was kind of a big component as well in in terms of driving growth, right? Yep. But I think even before we started doing content marketing, the third thing we did, and I want to share, that was launched on a product hand. So I could say after product hand, things did really started picking up for us. When we launched on the product hand, we end up being top two in a day. And um, out of product hand, we got 600 registrations during two days, in the first two days. And um, yeah, and basically that's how we got market to know about us. And then somehow I would even say probably if we would not even if we would not do even content creation, customers would come. They would come through point of mouth that would come from someone mentioning us somewhere, etc. And one good tip before launching your product or product hand, you could test uh, the audience by launching some free product like we did. So first, before launching our full-featured product, we did some small free product that we launched in the product hand. And that's actually did for us really a good job since as a company, we were featured like twice and got um, twice more traffic. And I've seen right now, as, right now as well, a lot of startups would come up with a smart, brilliant free tools and would publish them on Quora. And those tools would get a lot, a lot of applause, maybe even more than if they would just publish their main product. But that indirectly, again, goes to their main product. What was the tool that you you kind of initially offered to get on the radar? So the tool uh, called Name to Email. So that's the tool we actually created over the weekend. It's a simple plugin 
but uh, really, I think, good idea. And um, to validate that right now, we have 20,000 users using this tool. It's a Chrome plugin. And uh, we published and we launched on the product hand. Uh, we got 500 upvotes. And in the team, I think it was just, um, how to say, by accident, we have someone from Business Insider uh, noticed the tool and they posted article on Business Insider. And as well, the, the, the article on Business Insider get another 10,000 views. I thought, I believe we get a few thousand installs of our Chrome plugin right away. And again, and when you install Chrome plugin, it's it, inside of, it says powered by Reply. So people would know our brand or could check it. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's a smart strategy. I've seen a few few companies do that. And if you get it right, then it's a great way to really get a broad reach across because if the tool is serving a valuable purpose, solving a useful problem, there's a certain sense of virality that's kind of naturally built into something like that. Yeah, that's correct. And as well, what I've seen is uh, sometimes if you have some boring product, you're one of hundreds on the market, you will not have much success launching a product hunt. But what you can do, you can release some one fun feature and launch your product, basically launch this feature or position this feature as a sep- as a product. And you've seen company been doing that as well and working well. Yeah, interesting. Okay, so product hunt, that got you the 600 signups in two days. So now that sales funnel is starting to fill up pretty quickly with new leads. And then we talked a little bit about content. So tell me about what you did around content to to start generating more traffic. We would write for our blog. And as well, I had a, at the time, I had a portal called Sales Hacking or Sales for Hackers. I don't remember the name. And I would write some really cool sales hacks uh, that I was finding, that I was using. And... Um, Posting it there, it actually did get some traffic, and I'm really, I want to say, sorry that I didn't, we didn't keep up with this portal. Eventually, we should get down since I didn't have just focus for it. But basically, people would uh, and how marketing work. For example, once I had a call with customer, and basically he's telling that first he saw a reply on the product hunt, then he saw our core article, and then he find the sales tools and. After that, he decided to sign up. He's seen that we're doing a lot of different stuff and we look like an experts. So basically, by doing this content or product hunt launch, we had a kind of move few touches with this potential customer audience. That's how content would work. After that, we would create, again, some useful content. I was sharing my experience. I was sharing my experience reaching out to some sales leaders, getting like 37% reply rate, which is huge. And I would share them on some um, uh, niche sites. There was a site called Closing Call. There was a list. There was a rating, ranking of good sales article. There was inbound growth hackers. So those community where you could kind of post content and people could find. Got it. You said it was a portal. What do you mean by that? Por- uh, portal, I mean, basically, I would say that it was just a blog, blog on sales hackers. Okay. So that's- okay, cool. One thing I want to mention is really more that, again, we had the, all the 600 signups. And then uh, we connect to all the 600 signups. So we set up replies that way that if someone sign up for reply, reply would start 
emailing those customers. So basically, we were using our own system, reaching out and getting on the call with our trial leads. So that's as well helped us a lot. And um, right now we have 15% trial to customer rate. And that's as well because of we do follow up with all leads and we do get on a call with people who is open for that. Does Reply help me build the list of prospects or does Reply make sense for me to use once I already have an email list? We can help you build a list. Basically, we have Marketplace inside of our platform. The Marketplace, it's a list of different different partners or just sales tools that you could use to find uh, contacts. We used to have a direct integration with one of these partners. It didn't work well, so we shut it down. But uh, what we think about is probably in the next few months, we'll have another integration and we'll, uh, with different partner and will, again, allow you to search contacts even inside of Reply. But from what I suggest right now, since finding leads, it's uh, really, really specific to for different people, for different companies. There is no good solution for everyone. So the best way is go to marketplaces we have or you could find any list online with different sales tools and find a sales like lead generation tools and find what DTBs gives you the best results. I'm also curious, like when an email gets sent out from Reply, you said that you can integrate it with your own mail system. So if I'm using... Gmail or G Suite, I could integrate that with Reply. When that email is sent out, how easy is it to tell if that's I actually sent that email or it's a, a in your almost like a semi-automated email? Like, does it have the you know the unsubscribe link at the bottom of the email? Is that required? You know, are there any other sort of giveaways that this came from a system as opposed to a person? There is a way to set up reply in that way in a way that there will be no opt-out link in text so it will look like it has been sent by you but uh, we recommend to use opt-out links and all these techniques for um, outbound emails but if you send inbound emails to your target audience again uh, you could remove the opt-out link so again it will be it will be looking uh, as someone sent manually and myself few times I've been answering to emails thinking that it was sent personal to me, but actually it was sent by reply and then people were telling me. So there is <laughs> yeah, no way to see it. And as well, what we have, uh, what we have, uh, we have a feature. Again, if you still want to be compliant with Can Spam Act it's and you send outbound emails or even inbound, usually in text you would say, if you don't want to hear from me anymore, just let me know. You could say it anywhere. And then in our system, uh, we have a mechanism to detect unsubscribe or opt-out requests. So we actually have machine learning to detect that. If we detect someone send unsubscribe, stop, anything like that, we'll stop sending emails to this person. So basically, can spam act say that you need to provide a mean to receiver to unsubscribe? And this mean could be a link, but it could be just you mentioning, if you don't want to hear from me anymore, just let me know. And then our system would detect that and stop prospect automatically. Okay. Oh, that's good. So it doesn't necessarily have to, you can still be can spam 
compliant, but you don't necessarily have to have a, a hyperlink in the email which takes on subscribe. Yeah. As long as you have a statement in there which says, let me know, whatever, as you said, and they reply, you can kind of auto unsubscribe them that way. Yeah, that's right. And as well, what if Gmail has right now, most of signature, most emails, what I receive, I don't really read the signature or it get collapsed, right? So if you add their opt-out link, many people would not see it. You talked about the machine learning in there and that picks it up. So, I mean, there are some obvious things like if someone says, unsubscribe, they reply with the word unsubscribe, right? That's a basic scenario. But what if someone says, you know, they reply saying, I'm not interested or don't email me again or F off. Do you pick up those kinds of things as well? Yeah, don't email me again. We will definitely pick that up. If I'm not interested, that probably we will not be able to pick that up since we have a category said I'm not interested. And basically you will classify it differently. Again, they need to explicitly probably tell it. I think with this machine learning mechanism, that could be errors. So that's why, again, used should be used accurately. Right, right. I guess you have to be careful with that. Otherwise, you could get a lot of, you could easily get a lot of false positives and start unsubscribing. Yeah, but again, mostly people don't worry about it. They will just say, yeah, just leave me alone or stuff that we would recognize that as do not contact uh, intent. Now, Another kind of aspect of, of kind of any SaaS business is if you're offering free trials is converting those free trials into paying customers. And when we were chatting, you had mentioned that your support team has played a, a big role in, in helping to drive up those conversions from free trial to paid customer. Can you tell us about that? How does that work? Yeah, that's a good question. So we use Intercom Chat on our inside of our application on our website, and we were able to achieve one minute uh, medium response time, which means eighty percent of our requests get answered in less than one minute. There was twenty percent of them could be answered, could take much longer. For example, if someone emailed in a, at night, but most of them we answer really quick, and that gets noticed by customers. First of all, again they will be able to understand system better or just solve the problems. So mostly they email to support if they stuck somewhere. So basically, if we help them solve the problem and use system, obviously they will convert better as opposed to they didn't understand something and just leave. Another thing was we do our customer support would look what kind of customer it is. And if you see it's coming from some uh, company like in a bigger size, let's say 50 plus people, and uh, just by the mean, it's easy to check. The support agent will suggest a demo. Support agent will answer question as as usually, and then mention that we could set up a personal demo for him and his team. That's support team helping us drive demos, so demos uh, drive more conversions. So it just sounds like one of the things that you guys did was basically whoever was signing up for a trial, you were kind of giving them support as if they were a paying customer. Um, yeah, that's right. What is your conversion rate? Like typically, like what percentage of trials convert into a paying customer? We have 15% trial to customer conversion rate. And this being 
um, yeah, for a while we we have this number. That's pretty decent. That's really good, and I think as well, I think it's more than uh, industry average. So we try to talk and open to talk to each customer who signed up. Again, in future, it may change. We may want to talk only to bigger customers, but now we have resources to actually talk to everyone and want to be that open and transparent for everyone. And sometimes we get like really good voice on that when um, people coming to us and saying that get turned down by some of our bigger competitors and since they are too small for them and we understand probably will not make a lot of money on these customers and probably they turn them down since it's some small fish but again we want to work with them mainly for this reputation thing right now word of mouth and i think at the end of the day it pays okay so in terms of revenue what are you guys doing right now yeah, we are at 180k in the monthly revenue so getting slowly to um, 200k and I said slowly since right now we see our business growing a bit slower than I as a founder would want. It's steady, it's growing, but probably a bit slower than I would want and expect. And I think that's a lot of this because I believe the market has a lot of, uh, already have a lot of tools similar to what we have. And uh, so market gets some like, penetration or some uh, stabilized a bit. So the growth now we have growth, but it's more stable or more slower than it was before. But it's still like, I mean, in terms of where you started, like you were saying, hey, I've got a business that I can't get more than $150,000 a year. And there was three of you, right? When you were doing that. Yeah, actually, yeah, I could say three of two. us. Yeah, two, two, two founders and just one developer as we hired. Yeah. And now... I guess what within four years you've gone to one hundred and eighty thousand dollars in monthly recurring revenue. So you're you're already at what over two million dollars a year. That in itself is a is a great story. But I know that it hasn't all been smooth sailing, right? I mean, like you've had your own with the ups, you've had your downs as well. So if you kind of look back at the last few years, what do you wish you'd done differently? In terms of business, it's hard to say. And again, if something is not working, we try to recognize it quickly, fix, and just find another thing to do. And again, just moving fast and executing solves a lot of problems. I think one learning thing that I had from last few years is not forgetting about work-life balance. So I think many and a lot of entrepreneurs had an experience when they would burn out or had some health issues because they were working too much. Uh, similar thing did happen to me around two years ago. So basically, I um, stopped doing sport or lo- lost a bit of my balance in terms of sport, and, um, meals, and sleep, and working a lot, and as well spacing out on every and each small thing. And then there was a time I had a, a too many trips Again, was trying to do everything, having like three or four trips trips at all. So I was on a flight, on a plane for a few days at all. And then in the morning, I would come in for another meet, meeting in another city. Uh, I would not eat much or not eat at all, drink a few times of coffee. And then all of a sudden, I was walking on the street and feeling like, like I could lose conscious. And my... Pleasure went up and I had no idea what was going on with me. 
I didn't lose the conscious, which is a good thing. I went to the hospital. But basically, what I had here is just, um, I don't know how, how to call it, it's an error in my body, right? Because of the stress and all the things where I did put my body. So after that, <laughs> good learning point for me that um, I don't need to stress on business where, and as well, I need to have a work-life balance. And as well, and, and stress appeared because once you have a startup, something small, it's fun. You have nothing to lose. But once you start hiring people, you think, think things picking up, you see you have revenue growing. I think at the time we were over 50K in MMR. And then I would start to worry that we could lose something, that Gmail could ban us since we, or we have some troubles with emails. So I was worrying too much. And I think that's kind of added to that. Yeah. I mean, I don't think that's an uncommon thing in terms of entrepreneurs and you get to a stage where you can easily think about nothing but the business and, and it's very hard to shut your mind off and and it's easy to, to sort of get into a situation where you're so immersed or in flow with what you're doing that you forget to eat. But yeah, I mean, l- luckily it didn't turn into anything serious with you, but it's it was a probably an important wake-up call or a warning sign that, hey, you know, something's got to change. And I think it's a good, uh, yeah, I think I'm looking for it as a good sign. So if your mind or yourself can tell yourself to stop or slow down, the body will tell you. (laughs) So better wait till that point. I mean, talk about responsibility. So two million a year revenue. And then you have, I, I think it was, you said 45 people. Yeah, we have team of 45 right now. Are they all in Ukraine or do you have some in San Francisco? Yeah, they're mostly in Ukraine and we have uh, actually office in Toronto. So we have eight people in Toronto right now. Got it. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Okay. Uh, well, it's time for the lightning round. So I'm going to ask you seven questions. It's a quick fire round. Just try to answer them as quickly as you can. Okay. Ready? All right. What's the best piece of business advice that you've ever received? If you want to become someone or achieve something, talk to someone who is already there. What book would you recommend to our audience and why? I would recommend the book of Richard Branson, Losing My Virginity. It's a book on business, but you will read it as the greatest adventure book. I love Branson. Great recommendation. What's one attribute or characteristic in your mind of a successful entrepreneur? Persistence, sure. What's your favorite personal productivity tool or habit? More habit. Right now, right now I start to go sleep at 10 p.m. and wake up at 6 and being consistent with that it's, helps a lot. What's a new or crazy business idea you'd love to pursue if you had the extra time? I'd probably would do something that is not online, not software, with hardware. Hard to say right now. Uh, what's an interesting or fun fact about you that most people don't know? I was once fired from a job, actually, when I was working as a developer in, in Canada, since I was working on my first startup during some working hours. And you got busted. <laughs> yeah, a few times. <laughs> And uh, finally, what's one of your most important passions outside of your work? I think it's sport. And recently I learned, learned to do kite surfing. Kite surfing? Yeah. 
Like wow. Richard Branson. <laughs> yeah, like Branson. <laughs> so, so what's next? Looking for an island in the Caribbean, maybe? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Cool, Oleg. It's uh, it's great to chat again. Uh, you know, this is something that we've been trying to set up for a while. Um, so it's great to have you here and and you know for you to share your story. Now, if people want to find out more about Reply, they can go to reply.io. And uh, if they want to get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to do that? They could email me at oleg at reply.io. Awesome. Cool. Well, stay healthy. I wish you all the best and uh, good luck in the future. Yeah, thank you, Omar. It was my pleasure to be here with you. Cheers. Goodbye. All right. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed the interview. You can get to the show notes by going to thesaspodcast.com where you'll find a summary of this episode and a link to all the resources we discussed. If you enjoyed the episode, then head over to iTunes and make sure you subscribe to the podcast. And if you want to show your support, please consider leaving a rating and review for the show. If you're not already in iTunes, just go to thesaspodcast.com and click the iTunes button. Thanks for listening. Until next time, take care.